0: What's up, guys? Uh, Today, we're going to take a look at social justice in American sports. Uh, So political activism by American athletes has been a widely discussed and debated topic, especially in recent years, given the oversaturation of media and sort of divisive nature of American politics. Um, And while activism in sports is certainly not unique to American athletes, uh, I can think of several instances of other countries Uh, particularly apartheid era South Africa. uh, Their athletes were very vocal in protests and um, several other countries today we will just be focusing on American athletes. Um, So the name that likely comes to mind when I mention this topic is former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick, uh, whose name has sort of become synonymous with the term social justice and activism. Uh, When you when you pull up his Wikipedia, it actually lists him as an activist and American football quarterback, in that order. Uh, for those of you who don't follow sports or just simply aren't aware of his story, uh, I'll just briefly explain. Uh, before the 49ers' third preseason game of the 2016 season, uh, Kaepernick was seen sitting on the bench during the National Anthem. Uh, during a post-game interview, he explained his position, stating, quote, I'm not going to stand up and show pride in a flag or for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. To me, this is bigger than football, and it would be selfish on my part to look the other way. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder, end quote. He referenced a series of African-American deaths at the hands of law enforcement uh, that, that led to the Black Lives Matter movement and said that he would continue the protests until he felt like the American flag represents what it's supposed to represent. The following week, in their last preseason game, uh, Kaepernick decided to kneel on the field um, during the anthem. He explained his decision, noting that after speaking with former NFL long snapper and U.S. Army Green Beret, Nate Boyer, uh, that kneeling would would show respect uh, to current and former U.S. military members while still uh, serving as a protest of social injustice. Uh, The protests began to spread around the league, Uh, several other players, and eventually uh, entire teams began kneeling during the anthem, particularly after the September 2016 shootings of Terrence Crutcher and Keith Lamont Scott. Uh, Kaepernick commented publicly on these incidents, stating that, quote, this is a perfect example of what this is about, um, referring to his protest. And a lot of people were already divided on this issue. Uh, Some folks saw the protest as a sign of disrespect to law enforcement and military members, many police officers uh, and veterans actually spoke in support of Kaepernick, uh, basically saying that every American citizen has the First Amendment right to peacefully protest. Uh, The debate, however, was intensified uh, when Kaepernick wore a pair of socks depicting pigs dressed as police officers. He said that the socks were a statement against, quote, rogue cops, uh, he he explained that he has friends and family members in law enforcement and that he believes most cops um, have good intentions and that the socks were not meant to target all members of law enforcement. Uh, he would go on to kneel in every game for the remainder of that season. He pledged to donate a million dollars uh, to organizations working in oppressed communities and uh, to date he has far surpassed that number. Uh, he also established the Know Your Rights Camp, uh, which holds free seminars to disadvantaged youths uh, to teach them about self-empowerment, American history, and uh, legal rights as well. When uh, when Kaepernick's contract was up at the end of the 2016 season, he remained unsigned uh, through the offseason and training camp, uh, which led to talks of him potentially being blackballed by the NFL uh, due to all the attention uh, that his protest caused, and and not because of his on-field performance. Uh, in November of 2017, uh, Kaepernick filed a grievance against the NFL, accusing league owners of collusion uh, to keep him out of the league. The NFL requested to dismiss the case, uh, but was denied by a mutual arbitrator, uh, which meant that the case would go to trial, Less than two weeks ago, uh, today, on February 15th, 2019, it was announced that he had reached a confidential settlement with the NFL and withdrew his grievance. Um, So it sounds like there was some degree of collusion, and we'll probably never know the amount of that confidential settlement, but I can imagine he was paid handsomely. Um, So pardon me for that extremely long-winded introduction, uh, but I felt it was important to address Kaepernick's story. Uh, it's one of the more recent and probably the most prevalent case of American athlete taking a stand in recent years. Uh, so today, uh, we're going to take a look at some other instances of activism that preceded Colin Kaepernick and uh, the effects they had on American culture. We'll start off with one of the most well-known athletes and activists in American history, um, on January seventeenth, 1942, Cassius Marcellus Clay Jr. was born in Louisville, Kentucky. At age 12, he began boxing and uh, would go on to win a gold medal in the 1960 Summer Olympics at age 18. The following year, he converted to Islam and changed his name to Muhammad Ali. Ali would defeat Sonny Liston uh, in 1964, making him then the youngest ever world heavyweight champion at age 22. I I think this was later bested by Mike Tyson, who I believe was 20 uh, when he became the heavyweight champion. Uh, but at the time, that was Ali being 22 years old, the heavyweight champion of the world, was unprecedented. Um, he registered for conscription in the United States military on his 18th birthday and was listed as 1-A uh, in 1962. Two years later, he was reclassified as 1-Y, which basically means uh, fit for service only in times of national emergency after he failed uh, the U.S. Armed Forces qualifying test uh, because his writing and spelling skills were substandard due to his dyslexia. Uh, He was later quoted as saying, I said I was the greatest, not the smartest. By early 1966, the Army lowered its standards uh, to permit soldiers above the 15th percentile, and Ali was again classified as 1-A. This classification meant that he was now eligible for the draft and induction into the U.S. Army at a time when the U.S. uh, was heavily involved in the Vietnam War, a war uh, which put him further at odds with the white establishment. When speaking to a crowd of college students, Ali made it clear when he said, my enemy is the white people, not Viet Cong or Chinese or Japanese. You, my opposer, when I want freedom. You my opposer when I want justice. You my opposer when I want equality. You won't even stand up for me in America for my religious beliefs. And you want me to go somewhere and fight, but you won't even stand up for me here at home. On April 28, 1967, Ali appeared in Houston for his scheduled induction into the U.S. Armed Forces, but refused three times to step forward when his name was called. Uh, An officer warned Ali uh, that he was uh, committing a felony punishable by five years in prison uh, and a fine of $10,000. But uh, once more, Ali refused to budge when his name was called and he was arrested later that same day. Uh, the New York, New York State Athletic Commission uh, suspended Ali's boxing license and stripped him of his heavyweight title. Uh, other boxing commissions soon followed suit, and uh, he remained unable to obtain a license to box in any state for over three years. At his trial on June twentieth, nineteen sixty-seven, the jury found Ali guilty after just twenty-one minutes of deliberation, uh, and the. Um, excuse me, the criminal offense of violating uh the Selective Service laws by refusing to be drafted. <clears throat> After a Court of Appeals upheld the conviction, um, the case was reviewed by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1971. On June 28th of 1971, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States in Clay versus the United States overturned Ali's conviction by unanimous eight zero decision. Um. which was not based on, nor did it address, uh, the merits of Ali's claims per se. Uh, Rather, the court held that since the appeal board gave no reason for the denial of a conscientious objector uh, exemption to Ali, uh, it was therefore impossible to determine uh, which of the three basic tests for conscientious objector status offered in the Justice Department's brief that the Appeal Board relied on. Uh, so that basically, Ali's conviction must be reversed. Um, uh, U- <laughs> U.S. President Donald Trump, uh, apparently unaware that this uh, conviction was overturned in 1971, said on June eighth, two 2018, that he might grant uh, a posthumous pardon to Ali. So it was very considerate of him. Ali's example inspired countless black Americans, and really Americans at large. Uh, New York Times columnist William Roden wrote, quote, "'All these actions changed my standard of what constituted an athlete's greatness. Uh, Possessing a killer jump shot or the ability to stop on a dime was no longer enough. What were you doing for the liberation of your people? What were, uh, were you doing enough to help your country live up to the covenant of its founding principles?' Recalling uh, Ali's anti-war position, uh, NBA all-time scoring leader Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, quote, I remember the teachers at my high school didn't like Ali because he was so anti-establishment, and he kind of thumbed his nose at authority and got away with it. The fact that he was proud to be a black man and he had so much talent made some people think he was dangerous. But for those very reasons, I enjoyed him. Civil rights figures Uh, came to believe that Ali had an energizing effect on the freedom movement as a whole. Al Sharpton spoke of his bravery at a time where there was still widespread support for the Vietnam War. Uh, He said, quote, for the heavyweight champion of the world who had achieved the highest level of athletic celebrity, to put put that all on the line, the money, the ability to get endorsements, to sacrifice all that for a cause, uh, gave a whole sense of legitimacy to the movement and the causes uh, with young people that nothing else could have done. Even those who were assassinated certainly lost their lives, but they didn't voluntarily do that. He knew he was going to jail and did it anyway, and that's another level of leadership and sacrifice. So following his ban of the sport, uh, Ali would go on to defeat Joe Frazier and again become the World Heavyweight Champion and he would go on to dominate uh, the heavyweight division in an era that's really considered the golden age of of heavyweight boxing. Uh, several other uh, Hall of Famers were in that division, and, and he defeated all of them uh, In the, over the course of his career. He's widely considered one of, if not the greatest boxer of all time, uh, just legendary, uh, and also one of the most widely recognized uh, athletes of all time. Uh, The Associated Press in 1993 reported that Ali was tied with Babe Ruth as the most recognized athlete uh, out of over 800 dead or living athletes in America. A study found that over 97% of Americans over 12 years of age identified both Ali and Ruth. Uh, I would Really like to sit down with those other three percent, find out what's going on there. Um, he was the recipient of the 1997 Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Uh, 1997, Time Magazine named him one of the 100 most important people of the 20th century. He was crowned sportsman of the century by Sports Illustrated and certainly a fantastic, gifted athlete. As I said, one of the best boxers of all time, but without a doubt. A large portion of his legacy comes from his activism and bravery. Uh, Really just an incredible human being. The next story is one that stands out as possibly the most overtly political statement, certainly one of them uh, in sports history, and one that gives me chills uh, just talking about. During the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City, Three runners made their way to the podium for the medal ceremony after the 200-meter event. Americans Tommy Smith and John Carlos, who won gold and bronze, respectively, along with Australian silver medalist Peter Norman. All three men had patches on their jackets, signifying the OPHR or Olympic Project for Human Rights. During the playing of the Star-Spangled Banner, Smith and Carlos, each wearing a single black leather glove, raised their fists and bowed their heads for the duration of the national anthem. The two U.S. athletes received their medal shoeless, wearing only black socks to represent black poverty. Tommy Smith wore a black scarf around his neck to represent represent black pride. John Carlos had his tracksuit jacket unzipped to show solidarity with all blue-collar workers in the U.S. and wore a necklace of beads, which he described, quote, were for those individuals that were lynched or killed that no one said a prayer for, that were hung and tarred. For those thrown off the side of the boats in the middle passage, end quote. As I said, all three athletes uh, wore the project for human rights badges uh, on their jackets. Peter Norman was a critic of Australia's former white Australia policies, uh, so he expressed empathy uh, with Smith and Carlos. Both U.S. athletes had intended to bring black gloves to the event, but John Carlos actually forgot his, uh, leaving them in the Olympic Village. And it was Peter Norman uh, who suggested that Carlos wear Tommy Smith's left-handed glove. And for this reason, uh, Carlos uh, is raising his left hand as opposed to his right, uh, differing from the traditional black power salute. Um, Although in his uh, autobiography, Silent Gesture, Tommy Smith says that it was uh, not intended uh, to be a black power salute, but rather a human rights salute. Um, Smith and Carlos uh, delivered a salute with their heads bowed, uh, which became front page news around the world. As they left the podium, they were booed by the crowd. And uh, Smith later said, if I win, I'm an American, not a black American. But if I did something bad, then they would say I'm a Negro. We are black and we're proud of being black. Black America will understand what we did tonight. Smith said in later years, uh, quote, We were concerned about the lack of black assistant coaches, about how Muhammad Ali got stripped of his title, about the lack of access to good housing, and our kids not being able to attend top colleges. They were largely ostracized by the U.S. sporting establishment and subject to a, a lot of criticism. Uh, Time magazine on October 25th, 1968, wrote, quote, faster, higher and stronger is the motto of the Olympic Games. Angrier, nastier, uglier better describes this scene in Mexico City last week. Uh, when they got back to the United States, uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos uh, received death threats and really didn't get the appreciation uh, that they deserved for, for that event that day in Mexico City until years later. Um, They were eventually awarded uh, Arthur Ashe uh, Courage Awards and um, when Peter Norman died in 2006, they were both pallbearers at his funeral. There has been a ton of tributes, uh, speeches, statues, murals, and different things honoring uh that moment that day and um really just just an incredible gesture um given given the political climate of the time and one of the most memorable events in in sports history so the last person i'm going to talk about has been mentioned for decades uh, among not only most important people in American sports history, but American history that is a fellow named Jackie Roosevelt Robinson who if i we're gonna mention social justice uh in sports, I've got to talk about Jackie Robinson um so I'm gonna kind of go off the cuff a little at the end here um I could just kinda talk about what he did um what he meant. Uh, to baseball and sports and American culture. Um, so Robinson had a damn good MLB career. Um, he was a lifetime 311 hitter, uh, which, for those of you who don't keep up with baseball, is, is impressive. Uh, he was a six-time All-Star, and he was Rookie of the Year in 1947. He even won the NL MVP uh, in 1949. And though only winning once in 1955, he played in six World Series for the Dodgers. Uh, despite making his MLB debut at age 28 and only playing 10 seasons, his career numbers are enough to put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but they aren't nearly as impressive uh, or as telling of the greatness of jackie robinson as what he did for baseball and american society um jackie robinson uh broke the the nearly six decade old uh color barrier in major league baseball so jackie robinson was born in 1919 in cairo georgia Uh, when he was a baby his mom and uh, his four siblings they moved to uh in pasadena california where he grew up uh, went to high school and went to college at ucla he became ucla's first athlete to letter in four sports uh, he played baseball football basketball and ran track and uh i recently saw uh within like the last year or so i saw some film of him playing football i'm not sure if it's ucla or professionally but he was an incredible football player uh, great running back. Uh, which I did not know uh, until recently. But, um, just you know, obviously very gifted athlete. Uh, he met his wife Rachel. Uh, his senior year at UCLA. And uh, in 1942, uh, after he graduated, he decided to join the military. Uh, it was not long after Pearl Harbor, and so he joined the army, and served uh, until 1945. And when he left the military, uh, he worked a few different jobs. He eventually became the athletic director at Sam Houston State in Austin, Texas, uh, and he coached basketball. But he would eventually get into baseball and uh, join the Negro Leagues for about four years, uh, where he was a pretty good player. Um, And he got the attention of Dodgers, Brooklyn Dodgers, club president and general manager, Branch Rickey, who had been scouting the Negro Leagues for potential players uh, to sign because their contracts didn't have uh, reserve clauses and they were basically free agents for any major league team to sign. But of course, no major league team had signed any Negro League players. Uh, but Branch Rickey had already had his eye on that and Robinson had gotten his attention. Uh, he Robinson probably... Well he wasn't the best Negro league player at the time, that was probably satchel page or um josh Gibson uh but he was still pretty young uh twenty seven twenty eight and uh after meeting Robinson Ricky really felt like he was was capable of of going through the sort of uh torturous uh, scrutiny uh that he would get for joining major league baseball he told robinson to keep it a secret um because obviously he knew the ramifications uh, in the public and around the league and when it did become public uh dod i mean dodgers players uh said that if the dodgers signed him they would uh protest they would not play they would demand a trade they would quit opposing teams said the same thing several teams around the league said that they would protest uh Robinson, uh, playing for the Dodgers, um, and you know I can't imagine uh, what Robinson had to go through every day traveling around the country, um, getting ridiculed, uh, being abused, you know, verbally abused, physically abused, other uh, opposing teams threw at him, uh, you know, and that was before. Baseball had helmets, which seems insane, which seems archaic. Uh, but you know he was subject to all that, um, and you know despite that he went on to have a great career. Uh, it's just un- just unbelievable that he had to deal with that and still produced at a you know all star level. Um, he, you know had a had a great. 10-year career with the Dodgers, uh, and when he retired uh, just continued to to make his mark um, not only in sports, but uh, just in, in American culture. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that he was a legend and a symbol in his own time, and that he challenged the dark skies of intolerance and frustration. According to historian uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin, Robinson's efforts were a monumental step in the Civil Rights Revolution in America. His accomplishments allowed black and white Americans to be more respectful and open to one another and more appreciative of everyone's abilities. In 1965, Robinson served as an analyst for ABC's Major League Baseball Game of the Week telecast. He was the first black person to do so. Um, He became general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers of the short-lived Continental Football League, uh, and he served as a part-time commentator uh, for Montreal Expo's telecast. He was the vice president of a company uh, called Chock Full of Nuts, and he was the first black person to serve as vice president of a major American corporation. He, he chaired the NAACP's Million Dollar Freedom Fund Drive in 1957 and served on their board until 1967. He... Help fund Freedom National Bank, which was a black-owned and operated uh, commercial bank based in Harlem. He served as the bank's first chairman of the board, and he uh, in nineteen seventy he established the Jackie Robinson Construction Company to help build housing for low-income families. So, really, really just an incredible human being. Um, Major League Baseball has obviously honored Jackie Robinson a lot uh before and after his death. In 1972 the Dodgers retired his number 42. In 1987 uh the National and American League uh, rookie of the year awards were renamed the Jackie Robinson Award. Um April 15th every year Major League Baseball is Jackie Robinson Day uh where players are encouraged to wear the number 42 and I think since uh 2009 every player, coach, and umpire uh, has worn number 42 league-wide. In 1997, on April 15th of 1997, uh, his jersey was retired uh, throughout Major League Baseball and was the first time any jersey number had been retired throughout one of the four American sports leagues. Uh, Under the terms of the retirement, uh, it, it grandfathered in uh players who currently wore number 42 and uh actually uh Mariano Rivera who is uh, probably the not probably definitely the best closer of all time uh for the New York Yankees he uh was the last major league player to wear number 42 on a regular basis uh since 1997 only Wayne Gretzky's number 99 retired by the NHL in 2000 has been retired league wide and Wayne Gretzky uh, that's a the whole separate podcast on him. Uh, not the most athletic, but that would be Bo Jackson. But the best athlete, the most dominant athlete to ever play a game, uh, was was Wayne Gretzky. But that's a separate discussion. Um, perhaps the most important athlete, uh, in American sports history was Jackie Robinson. So that's about it. For this podcast uh, hopefully I was able to give you some interesting perspectives on uh, social justice issues in American history and, and how they tie into sports in America thanks a lot for listening